Thank you for listening to this chapel message, originally presented at Clark Summit University in Clark Summit, Pennsylvania. With more than 70 on-campus and online programs, Clark Summit University prepares Christ-centered, career-ready graduates to make a difference around the world. We hope this is an encouragement to you today. Good morning, everyone. Thank you. And before I get started, I just want to make sure we are, is it 10.50 or 10.55? 10.55, okay, because no one likes when the speaker goes over. Am I right? Exactly. All right. Um, I, Mr. Boykin, Coach Shaw, appreciate those very kind and gracious words. Um, brothers and sisters here today, now I feel like I'm going to disappoint you because all of that introduction is a little bit um, bigger than what's really going to happen here today. But it is a privilege to be back here at a place that is very fond to me and a place that I've had so many uh, memorable moments um, and a place that's poured into me uh, as a person and as a Christ follower. Uh, And before I get to where I want to go today, I'd be remiss if I didn't take this opportunity. And so I'd like to ask if you are a senior in the room right now, would you please stand up? If you're a senior in the room. Okay. All right. So I want to take a moment, and this has nothing to do with my message, but whenever I get in front of young people, I usually like to say something specifically to the people that are getting ready to transition into whatever that next stage of life is. And so for the seniors in the room, I want to challenge and encourage you at the same time. It's that time of year. I get it. You're starting May, and graduation is a lot closer than, um, than when you started. And sometimes the challenge during these upcoming months, as you head, to that, uh, head towards graduation, is to just try to finish and try to be done, and just to just get across the finish line. And I want to challenge and encourage you to not take that approach. Don't just finish. Sprint through the finish line. Finish strong. But not only do I challenge you to finish strong, I want to encourage you, make the most of these next couple months. These are precious times. You may not feel like it right now, but you will look back on these times with fondness. And so I would encourage you to take advantage of every opportunity that you have, every relationship that you have, and whatever it is that God gives you the opportunity to do this semester. I I just want to encourage you to do that. So thank you. You can be seated. Have you ever had the feeling that something's not right, but I can't put my finger on it. If we're being honest, we've all been in those situations. And and that was a little bit of my situation and my story. See, I grew up in Baltimore, Maryland. I was a Baltimore City Public School uh, kid all the way up until my junior year of high school. And and due to circumstances, due to uh, decisions that I was making, Um, Looking back, I know it was the Holy Spirit drawing me towards salvation, but at the time, I was at this fork in the road where I could go in one of two directions. I could continue down a path that was going to lead to um, just a destination that was not going to be good for me, or I could, at that point in time, try to turn myself around. And so my grandmother at the time was attending a church that had a small Christian school, and this school was located in Baltimore County. And so I remember sitting down with my mom. This was now going to be my third school in three years, as far as high school is concerned. 
and just really saying to her, I don't know what it is. I just feel like I need something different. And so she very candidly, because we didn't have a lot of money and now we're going to a Christian school or we're talking about a Christian school or a private school. Her thing was, why should I pay for school when you're not taking school seriously right now and it's free? Good point. But for whatever reason, she decided to, we would make some sacrifices and, and, and we'd make this thing happen. But she said, this is your last chance. So we transferred to this Christian school. And immediately, the, the nature of the school helped. It was much smaller than the school that I was attending prior. Uh, so I wasn't able to slip through the cracks. Some of the exposure to things that I was involved in uh, was no longer present. But then I also started to notice, I went from being in a predominantly black environment to a predominantly white environment. And that didn't really bother me too much. Uh, I felt like my, my teachers, I felt like they cared. I would even say they loved me, but I didn't always feel like they could relate to me. And so that was foundational. Graduated from there, oh, I'm sorry, very important point in the story. My senior year, came to know the Lord as my personal Savior. So there was huge benefit from going to this Christian school. Graduate from there, I bounced around a little bit, uh, a couple different colleges, because I, I didn't know what I wanted to do long term, but I knew I wanted to get some sort of ministry or Bible training. So long story short, after bouncing around for, from a couple schools, I end up here at, at the time it was Baptist Bible College. But the one thing that was consistent with all the stops that I had been at was I felt like I was one of a few. And I didn't understand why. And I remember getting here and, and receiving the benefits of being around uh, great people like Mr. Boykin and Coach Shaw and professors like uh, Joe Schlegel and, and, and Colin Smith um, and, and just people, Dr. Lackey, and just people from that time period when I was here. And I remember feeling like something was wrong. Because while this school was in a rural context, about two hours from New York, about two hours from Philly, three hours from Baltimore, about three and a half, four hours from D.C. And I struggled to believe that I was three or four black males in the Northeast area that was interested in going into ministry. And so I didn't understand why this was taking place. I graduate from here and I enter into Christian education. And for most of my journey as a professional, it was the same story. And so I've spent a career trying to figure out what to do with that. And so that brings us to where we are today. When I think about Dr. King, there are so many different directions that I could go in. There's so many different, there are different quotes, there are different speeches that we can build off of. But what I want to do with us today is I really just want to point out four things that we can learn from the life of Dr. King. And these are four things that have helped me really figure out in some ways what God has called me to do in this space of Christian education. And so the first thing that we can learn from Dr. King 
is that this was an individual who longed for the kingdom of God. He longed for what that should look like. And I think what we can take away from that is, is that same exact principle. What does the kingdom of God look like? What are we longing for within that kingdom of God? And it may be different things. For me in my story, what I was longing for is I was longing for families that wanted Christian education to be able to have access and not feel like it was something that was unattainable for them. And so as you think about that, I want you to think about what are the things that you're longing for? It could be things like justice around a number of issues, not just racial issues. It could be the unborn. It could be treatment of people with less financial resources. What are you longing for? And so for Dr. King, he longed for a nation in which the humanity of each person as an image bearer of God was recognized. And it's so important that we start there. Because human beings are image bearers of God. And we get into trouble, and I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but we get into trouble when we start to not recognize the Imago Dei in the people around us. With this longing, we see that Dr. King was committed to a realization of biblical principles. I'm going to share with you a quote. This comes from his speech, Facing the Challenge of a New Age, in which he contrasts kind of the old age of the nation versus the new age that he was longing for. And he says this, or here's an excerpt. He says, the end is reconciliation. The end is redemption. The end is the creation of the beloved community. It is this type of spirit and this type of love that can transform opposers into friends. It is this type of understanding, goodwill, that will transform the deep gloom of the old age into the exuberant gladness of the new age. You see, Dr. King was longing for these biblical principles, reconciliation, not just man to God or mankind to God, but mankind to each other. He was longing for what that looked like. He was longing for community. Like I said, these are biblical principles. We find, we find the same longing in the high priestly prayer when Jesus is praying to the Father. He talks about, he says this, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me, 
and love them even as you love me. And so it's important, this idea of being one. It doesn't mean being the same. Think about what Jesus is saying here, that they may be one just like we're one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There's difference there. There's distinctness there. But yet there is perfect harmony and perfect unity and they are one. And so Jesus is praying that his disciples and the people that believe because of their word, that's us, that we would be one. It doesn't mean we're going to be the same. It doesn't mean we're going to agree on everything. It doesn't mean that we're going to have the same interests, the same passions, the same desires. But what it does mean is that we are able to have unity and that we're one. We maintain our distinctness, but yet we're together within that. And really, that's the secret sauce because that's how, that's how work really gets done. There are so many issues and problems and challenges in the world. If we were all passionate about the same things, we would never be able to tackle it. But the fact that we have Christians that are passionate about all these different problems in the world is what allows us to spread God's message. So first we see that Dr. King had a longing for the kingdom of God. The next thing that we can take away from the life of Dr. King is the fact that he was a person who understood what it meant to lament. He understood what it meant to lament. See, Martin Luther King lamented the gap. And that's what we need to do. We need to lament the gap. So what do you mean by that, David? I mean, you need to, we need to lament the gap between what God's plan and God's vision is, what we're longing for, and what the current reality is. And so during, during Martin Luther King's time, he lamented that gap of, and you saw it a little bit in this, uh, this uh, excerpt from this, this message that he spoke, but we see that gap between what he's longing for, what the kingdom of God should look like, how people should treat each other, and what the reality of that time was. So we need to lament that. Part of lamenting is asking the question, how did we get here? And so I referenced earlier, we get off track. We get here when, when we're talking about specifically issues around ethnicity and race. We get here when we begin to no longer recognize the Imago Dei in the other person. We begin to label them with other things. And so during my time in, in Texas, I used to run into this a lot. Even among Christians, we'd have conversations, and it would always, it would always steer into the political realm. And I'm like, no, no, no. And it became, because it became an opportunity to label. Red versus blue, liberal versus conservative, Democrat versus Republican. No, that's not what we're talking about. And so lamenting the gap, how did we get here? And when you look at any atrocity that mankind has, has done, 
or any group of people has done to another group of people, it always starts with the dehumanization of a people group. So whether you want to talk about segregation, whether you want to talk about the institution of enslaving people, whether you want to talk about the atrocities of the Holocaust, all of these different things, you go on and on and on, it always starts with the dehumanization. And so as Christians, we have to keep that a priority. We can disagree. We can disagree on political ideologies. We can disagree on how to go about things. But you're a brother or sister in Christ first, not anything else. And as we live in a polarizing world, it's, it's so much, it's becoming more and more difficult to be able to have those type of conversations. And so how do we get here? We, we see that. Dr. King references that. He laments that gap in his letter from a Birmingham jail where he's talking to other pastors. So my friends, we must be a people that are able to lament the gap. The question is, why don't we lament? And I believe the answer is because, one, it's just not comfortable. It's not easy to just sit in it for a moment. Our society is constructed in a way that, that we go, 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 and lament takes time. Also, in our society, we value solutions. What's the problem? Figure it out. Get it done. Find a solution. And with lament, lament is not about the solution. It's about taking time to sit in it and grieve what's really going on. But here's why it's important. When true lament takes place, it drives us to God. Think about Job. Job sat in it. And what did he ultimately do? He went to God with his questions. And God can handle our questions. God can handle our doubts. God can handle our frustrations. God can handle our moments of unbelief, our struggles. But we don't get there if we don't lament. You don't think Dr. King sat in that cell and thought, God, I'm trying to do a good thing. God, I've given my life to you. And this is what's happening? God, I'm hated by people. Because again, I think it's important for us to remember, you know, this isn't, this isn't meant to be a, a shot or anything, but we throw these quotes up on the board and, and, and everybody does it. And, you know, I'm on LinkedIn and social media and everybody's posting all these Dr. King quotes, which, which is great, but we lose sight of the fact that he was not a popular person when he walked this earth. He was murdered. And so he was a person who lamented. Lamenting takes, drives us to God with our questions. 
But then once we do that, we're now able to do the third thing that I think we see in Dr. King's life and the third thing that I think is important for us. We start to pay attention to the Holy Spirit. Where is the Spirit of God moving? What does hope look like? Where is God already at work? And so I think for us, as we go through this process of what are we longing for, lamenting the gap, then I think it's important for us to start paying attention, to see where the Spirit of God is already at work. Because we'll start to realize that, you know what? God is moving. While I was here and I was having these thoughts and wondering why it was the way it was, I started realizing, you know what, David? You're not the only person that feels that. There are other people already here at at BBC, at CSU, that feel those same feelings. That want something more and something different. You know what, David? There are Christian schools out there that want to figure this out. You're not alone. It's not just you. But it's so easy for us to feel isolated and think that we're the only ones. Some of you might be sitting here feeling that about, you know, who knows? I'm the only one that's really serious about the Lord. I'm trying to grow and I see these things going on around me. Whatever it is, you're not. You're not the only one. There are others. We saw it in the Bible, Elijah. I'm the only one. No. God said, I got a remnant. So when we're able to get the focus off ourselves, to quote my coach, and focus on what's going on around us and others, we're then able to see what's going on, see how God's working, see what the Holy Spirit's doing. Which brings us to the final thing that we see from Dr. King. And that's to join God at work. Find where the Spirit is moving, find where God is already at work, and then join. And then join. Align ourselves with the Holy Spirit. Figure out how or where we can participate. For me personally, it was opportunity. I was was teaching at a school in Ohio, and this this school in Texas is trying to do this, this crazy thing. The Spirit of God was at work. And so he was calling me to go join and be a part of that. I had the privilege of being a part of that for five years. I had no reason to leave it. It was challenging, hard, but God was doing great things. And then God said, you know what? Now it's time to go join where I'm working somewhere else. And so we do that. <clears throat> so, as I bring this thing to a close, where do we go from here? 
You know, what, what do I do with this? And the first thing I would challenge you to do is take some time and search your heart. Figure out where you are. Do a self-assessment. What do you love? What are you longing for? And then chances are, if you do that, it will be very easy for you to start realizing that your reality is not what is not the same as what you're longing for. Practice lament. Take time to sit in it. Schedule time if you have to. Take time to get alone with God and really lament the gap between God's vision, your longing, and the reality. Take the tough, child, the tough questions, the doubts, the frustrations, take them to God. And then after you do that, prayerfully consider where the Spirit of God is already at work. Ask God to open up your eyes to where He is moving to show you that you are not the only one, that there are other people that feel the same way that you do. And then finally, discern what God is calling you to do and move towards the next steps. Discern what God is calling you to do and move towards the next steps. As we close, I want to close with this verse. I think it's important for us to think about as, as we lament. Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30, Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. We all need rest. We all deal with the challenges, the adversity, the tough stuff. And so as we lament that, I encourage you, take that to Jesus. Thank you for listening to this message from Clark Summit University's Chapel Series. Visit www.clarksummitu.edu to learn more about CSU. Become a Christ-centered, career-ready graduate through on-campus and online degree programs. Look for us on social media, at Clark Summit U, and share your feedback.